Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. This episode, we're talking about you, our listeners and viewers, and the questions that you might have. You've sent us questions, and we're here to answer them. You want to know what we think? Well, we're going to tell you today. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquit. Hello, Miranda Marquit. Hello, Stacy Johnson. <laughs> Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm good. Let's get the ball rolling first. Our normal quick disclaimer, should we discuss specific investments in this show, do not take them as recommendations because they're not recommendations. Before you invest in anything, you've got to do your own research and you've got to make your own decisions. Now let's get back to our topic at hand. Let's get right into it. Miranda, why don't you, are you going to be in charge of reading our questions today and we can all kind of pitch in and answer them? I can be. (laughs) Let's do this. So first one comes from Karen. She says, I am 70 years old, but working full time for $14 per hour. I have a mortgage on my condo of $64,000. Am I wiser to pay extra principal on my condo or wiser to invest monthly and pay off the condo with investment dollars? And then Gloria says... Um, we're thinking about paying down our mortgage with a 401k. The 401k has $54,000, but we still owe 64000 That's the magic number. We still owe $64,000 on our mortgage. We are almost 60 years old. Is this a good idea right now? That, that was interesting. So you've got two $64,000 questions there. Yeah, exactly. So a quick recap of the, of the facts before we answer. Um, so we've got one person who's making 14 bucks an hour. They owe 64000 on their mortgage. They want to know whether they should put extra money on the principal of that loan or invest monthly. The second person says also $64,000 mortgage. They're thinking about taking money out of their 401k, uh, which has $54,000 in it, to pay down on that $64,000 mortgage. And they're both, well, one's 70 years old and one's 60 years old. So what, do you, what are you thinking? I mean, I'm thinking not. <laughs> so I'm a terrible person to ask because when I did have a mortgage back way back in the way back, um, it was not a thing. Um, it, it, like I, I didn't want to pay it down early, especially if it had a good interest rate. And so I personally am more comfortable, especially with, um, you know, I'm personally more comfortable with the idea of um, keeping that low interest debt and then putting that money in the market, especially right now when everything's on sale. Uh, and I certainly would not be selling. I, I definitely would not be cashing money out of my 401k uh, to pay down the mortgage. So, so that's just me. Um, but I am also notoriously comfortable with a certain level of debt, and I prefer investing uh, to paying down low interest debt uh, whenever I can. So, so that's just me. Uh, I think everybody has to kind of look for their comfort level. So, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Stacy? Well, I, I've written on this extensively, but before I go to what I think, uh, and by the way, there are a lot of variables here. <clears throat> There's really I was not gonna say this is a pretty a it's a pretty loaded uh yeah, right? <laughs> pretty simplified question to a very loaded lifestyle thing. I mean there's yeah, age, I mean, you know, there's if, if how much income, to, there's what are yeah. you looking to how you're gonna look to live after all this is said and done. I mean Yeah, well, well said, Aaron. Like if one of you two came to me and, and asked me the same question with the same facts, the first thing I would say is how much do you have in emergency savings? None? Mm-hmm. Well then you can't put your money on your mortgage. Uh, the first thing you got to do is build up an emergency savings. So, in other words, I don't know if we have enough information here to give uh, to you a great response. Um, but th- now, so what I heard you say, though, Miranda, was that you probably would not advise our 70-year-old Karen to put money on to her mortgage versus you, you, you think she should invest the extra money that she has versus paying down her mortgage. Is that what I'm hearing you say? 
I don't even know if she's already investing. Um, just looking at the question, I'm concerned that she might not even be investing. <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's that's where I'm at is I'm looking at it and going, I have a mortgage on my condo. Am I wiser to pay extra on the principal or wiser to invest monthly and pay off the condo with investment dollars? I don't know that she's even investing. So so when you were talking about like, do you have an emergency fund? Do you have that stuff? I'm I'm actually very concerned about how much savings that she has. Um, to begin with. And, you know, if you've only got $64,000 left in your condo, I mean, that's something that later on, if you decide you move, you can at least sell it and then take the four savings out of that. Um, So I don't know. I mean, like, personally, that's what I say. Like, that's why I say you have to figure out your own comfort level with debt. For me personally, um, you know, depending on the interest rate and everything, like if I had a three and a half percent mortgage, I would not be paying that thing down early. I would be putting my money. Yeah, I, was I would be. Say, we also I would be. We also I would don't be know what interest rate they're paying. Yeah, we don't yeah, know we don't what know the interest rate, rate is. If they're paying eighteen percent, that's one thing. If they're paying one percent, that's something else. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> things here we don't know. But me personally, well, let's in look at what general, we do know. I mean, what we do know is that their age is at an age where they're not going to look at you know higher incomes down the road. Right. I mean, that's they're, true. They're closer towards retirement. So if you're leaning more towards retirement and you've you've got a mortgage and you've barely got any savings, what's your guys' suggestion here? Well, you got to have savings. you got to have savings for sure. Yeah. So um, it's more important than the mortgage paying off. Yeah. What, what, are, what are your thoughts, Aaron? Well, I mean, this given this question is right now during a time of inflation, I would agree with you both. I would say don't even touch, don't even pay the mortgage. Uh, or as I like to call the home loan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've, we've, we've got to get our terms about, right here. We've got to get our terms <laughs> right. From Aaron, Aaron, Aaron insists that we call mortgages home loans, uh, which um, is accurate, of course. But And you're right, Aaron, because in, in times of rising interest rates, in times of rising inflation, uh, that fixed rate mortgage, presumably it's fixed rate. We don't know that either. Yeah. Uh, is, a, is a better deal because that money gets cheaper. Uh, let, me, let me make a, just a few general comments about paying off your mortgage early. Okay. There's an, there are several advantages to paying off your mortgage early. One of those is increased cash flow. When you're no longer making a mortgage payment, you can use that money to increase your savings. Uh, another advantage is not having that obligation over your head. Not only does it feel good, but should everything go south, at least that's one less thing you have to worry about. Now, also, if you're earning less on your savings than you're paying on your mortgage, paying in mortgage interest, you're going to be richer. Okay, so if you're paying one percent or getting 0.01 percent on your savings account at the bank and your mortgage is four percent, then you're going to be richer by paying off that mortgage uh, with those savings. That's just math. But now remember, though, that a mortgage is also or or equity in your home is a very illiquid asset. Uh, So in other words, if you need money for an emergency, it's going to be hard to get it out of your home once you paid off your mortgage. It's not it's not impossible. We know we can borrow against our homes. Um, and actually, by the way, if you're retired and not making money, it's going to be really hard for you to get a home mortgage loan. I mean, it's going to be hard for you to take money out of, out of your house because yeah, what they yeah. look for is income. And I, I know this personally because I was between jobs once, had $200,000 in the bank, wanted to pay off a $30,000 or, I'm sorry, refinance a $30,000 mortgage, and I couldn't do it. They, they didn't care how much money I had in the bank. If you don't have income to support that mortgage, you can't take money out of your house. You can't refinance it. So these are all things that you should pay attention to. Obviously, so, so having equity is relatively liquid. Now, l- let me get specific. 
Here's when you would pay off your mortgage. One, you've got all your retirement accounts fully funded. You're stocking as much as you can. You've got an emergency fund. You don't need the cash, okay? Number two, you've got a ton of savings in an account that's earning almost nothing. They're earning less than the mortgage. Number three, you're, you're not getting a tax deduction for any number of reasons, either because your income bracket is t- or your tax bracket is too low or you make too much money. Um, or four, you can't see any future use for the cash. I, I, pu- I throw this in there because... I, I want. I had a mortgage. My mortgage is. I actually have five thousand dollars left on it. But I, I had a mortgage and and used cash to to buy. I, I kept I kept a bunch of powder dry. And in two thousand twelve, right. I bought my house, the house next door, and I had to pay cash for it because there was no borrowing money then. So in other words, I I had a mortgage when I had enough money to pay it off. I didn't pay it off because I had better use for that cash. I bought the house next door. I fixed it up. I sold it for one hundred and fifty thousand dollar profit. So, but if you're not going to, if you have no use for the cash and it's earning next to nothing and your mortgage is, you know, higher than your savings rate, then pay it off. Now, here's some situations where you might be better off leaving your mortgage intact. One, you're earning more in your savings than your mortgage is costing. You got a 3% mortgage, you're earning 12% in the stock market. It's pretty hard to argue with that math. Right. Two, you're getting a substantial tax deduction. You never get a mortgage just for the tax deduction. But the, what the tax deduction essentially does is it lowers that, the cost of that mortgage. Mm-hmm. Three, you might find something better to do with your cash, the situation I just described. So these are the things you would look at to pay off, to determine whether you pay off your mortgage or not. There is, you know, and there's some things, those are the, the objective things. The subjective things are, hey, it feels great to be debt free. You know, and, and it's something I think everyone should aspire to. So I, I don't know if that really answers either one of our question here, our <laughs> Karen or Gloria's question. But these are just some considerations you would always uh, think about before you decide whether to pay off a mortgage or not. Main thing, have, make sure you've got a lot of cash on hand. Don't, don't put your money where you can't get it back if you need it, which would be paying off a mortgage. You guys agree? Disagree? With further comments? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense because like you, you do want to take a look at your situation and, and where, where can the money be put to use and what kind of situation you're looking at down the road. Cool. Okay. Well right. done. Karen and Gloria, thanks for sending in that question. By the way, I'm going to remind you guys at the end of this too, but the reason we have these questions is because our listeners, readers, viewers sent them in. Uh, and if you want to send in a question, we encourage you to do so. Um, I'll tell you how at the end of the podcast, but you can also just, you probably didn't even know this, Miranda, if you subscribe to our newsletter money talk, at moneytalksnews.com and you get it in your, e- you know, you get emails from us every day, twice a day, actually, all you have to do is hit reply, just like it was any email, and you can ask your question. Did you know that, Miranda? I did not, but that's really helpful information, so hurrah. That's hurrah. great. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that, but what's our next question? Yeah, so our next question comes from... Joan, she says, hi, I enjoy a multitude of your articles and find many both helpful and interesting. Thanks, Joan. Thanks, uh, question, is there a method that can be followed to stop robocalls to a landline? <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, we've, we'll have a link in our show notes, but uh, the FTC has a great article about how to block unwanted calls. And we also have an article on our website about eight easy ways you can stop robocalls but i don't know is there something else you want to add to that kind of take and people through that still <laughs> it's still difficult what, what do is. you guys i was going to ask you this what do you guys do i i'm not getting as many robocalls as i used to i'm still getting them though um we started what, what something where we well we started something where um 
if your number is not in our phone, obviously this works with cell phones, but if uh, there's a little setting in an iPhones, if the, if the number is not in your contacts, you can set the phone up to go directly to voicemail and your phone will never ring. And so if it's important enough, somebody will leave a message on your phone. Um, I don't know how many different phones. I mean, that's obviously what's with an Apple phone. I don't know if that is functional on Androids and everything like that, or obviously a landline, you can't do it. But I just learned that recently, Aaron. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. What, what do you do, Miranda? Yeah, so um, kind of something similar. I actually just, if it if it rings and I don't answer it, I, I don't recognize it, I don't answer it, and then it goes to voicemail, and then I block it. <laughs> so, that's exactly what I nice. do. Which is nice. Yeah, exactly and so then I, I just yeah I get far farther and farther. Like I just I, I get fewer and fewer um, because I because I block them. Uh, but you can also buy robocall blockers, and you can also buy different. There are different um, different tools that you can use even on a landline that will inter kind of intercept the calls and then let you know you know, whether it's a potential scam and, and can block those calls from you. I mean, there's no way to completely get rid of all of them, like all the time, but you can definitely reduce them. Yes. I, I never, ever get robocalls. You know why? Because I never get any calls. <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless your name is on my phone, I don't answer, period. I don't care who it's from. Uh, oh, nice. so, and then I just wait for the voicemail, uh, and the, which is transcribed, so I don't even have to listen to that. And then, and then if you're a if you're a um, salesperson of any kind, I just block your number. So, Perfect. I mean, but I, I just literally don't answer my phone at all unless it's you know one of you guys or somebody that I know. It's still very pervasive. I mean, um, you know, really, I think the ultimate thing is we have to keep writing to our congressmen and keep telling them like, hey, it's twenty first century. You have technology to like thwart this. You know, these crazy calls from the islands and everywhere else. I mean, we, I don't know. We we need to be able to have some legislation that blocks this. Yes. And, and, you know, of course, the phone companies, uh, although they are starting to do some things, offer some services. But, you know, Aaron, I remember back in, I'm going to say 1990 when I was doing television news stories then in Cincinnati. I went to the, uh, remember they used to have oh, caller ID? Remember that? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So the phone company would sell you caller ID. Then they would sell your caller ID to companies that were soliciting so then and then you would have to get enhanced caller id protection to see who that actually they, oh i know what it was they'd sell it they'd sell service to the companies who were trying to reach you that enabled you to get through caller id without being identified <laughs> i mean they were literally playing tennis oh you know, my make, gosh. making money on both sides yeah and, and i think there's a, a little of that going on you know because i mean these guys have the technology to block this stuff of course they, just, they do you know, but they make money when people use their use their numbers, you know, use their transmission systems. So anyway, yep, but exactly. you can check with your phone carrier a few more things. Um, check your features, like Aaron just mentioned. You can block calls. Use a third-party app, which Miranda mentioned. Don't answer calls. That's me. <laughs> um, keep your number to yourself. I don't really do you, that You much. can get into those do not, uh, what is it, the, the, the do, do not, not call, call registry. registry. But they don't, yeah. But they don't last very long. They don't. I don't well, think that works. And the problem well. with the yeah, do not call well. registry is that that like if they're if they're a legitimate company, then yeah, that's fine. They'll yeah. they'll honor that. But if they're if they're scammers, they yeah, will not. Which they frequently are. You know. You know. Yeah. This is off topic, but I get 150 emails every day. Yeah. Um, and and like calling people, it's free, so that's why you're getting bombarded this way. But the point is this: first thing I look at in an email that I get. Does it say to opt out, click here? 
Because if it doesn't, it's illegal. Right. And uh, that means if you're sending me an email breaking the law, then why would I do business with you anyway? I wouldn't begin to. So, you know, that, that's one of the things I do. And then I also block those, you know, with email, but off topic yeah. a little bit. But anyway. Yeah. So so here's a fun one. Uh, here's a good question from Sissy. She says, with all the craziness going on right now, what are your thoughts on pulling money from the banks? I have heard people talking about uh, how a bank holiday may be coming soon. Uh, for example, what happened in Greece back in 2008, 2009. And we should pull our money out of the banks now and that we um, because we have lost control of our currency. Before we answer this question, I've got to take a really quick break here, okay? We've got to pay the bills. We're going to be right back, and we're going to answer Sissy's slightly paranoid question. Be right back. <laughs> okay, we're back. I didn't mean to criticize you, Sissy, in any way. I mean, I can understand why there's some fear going around right now. <clears throat> but a bank holiday means the bank's closed and you can't get your money out, like the Great Depression. Not necessarily that you're going to lose your money permanently, but they're, they're so freaked out. As a matter of fact, this just happened with crypto this week, right? Uh, right, with Celsius. Yeah, Celsius uh, Celsius shut down and is not letting people take money out. So. Oh, poor Celsius. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's what she's talking about. And and so um, I, I, I'm sure we're all going to agree. I'll let you, what, Miranda, what would you advise Sissy? Uh, I think it's a good idea to take a step back and just, um, you know, kind of think think about stuff a little bit but no i wouldn't pull my all my money out of the banks at this particular point um and and even if you did pull your money out of the banks um like if there really is a problem like what would you do with it um uh, yeah that's a good point you're gonna have to yeah, sit around with mean, your cash get kruger ends yeah i mean yeah but th this is not a problem i mean you know yeah. first of all she's saying we've lost We've now lost control over our currency. No, we have not. We have not lost control over our currency. The Federal Reserve is doing things as we speak, as a matter of fact, which they're about to raise interest right. rates again. It's the middle of June. They're about to raise interest rates yeah. again. That is them definitely taking care of our currency. As a matter of fact, the U.S. dollar is stronger now than it's been in 20 years. So we yeah, do not have a currency problem. We do not have a, a problem that's going to usurp our entire banking system. Yeah, so uh, I think the, the only the only issue that people would probably take with what you just said there, St Stacey, is that many people believe that the Federal Reserve is a losing control of the currency and that they are. Uh, so, so it's just kind of interesting to look at that. But but the problem is, is like, what are you going to use instead? Um, you know, w when we get right down to it, what, what are you going to use instead? We've already seen that cryptocurrency is not a viable uh, alternative, um, you know, I, I like I like my crypto as much as the next person, but we we've, we yeah. we can see right now it's not a viable alternative. Um, so you know, well, well, I kind of want to wonder, like, what does she mean by craziness? What's what's the craziness going on? Well, I, I guess uh, she must be is the, 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 the market going, are going through a berserk. correction. Yeah, I mean, you know, the markets, both bond and stock markets, are going berserk right now. Uh, well, and, yeah, but that's happened <clears throat> multiple multiple to you know multiple times throughout you know America's history. Yeah. Well, you know, it, this been... looks like, I mean, this reads like somebody who's not reading mainstream news sources. And, and actually, that's something I would encourage Sissy to do. Um, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest that she's off in the hinterland somewhere, off in the weeds. But what I would encourage you to do, Sissy, is read some factual websites like CNBC, like MarketWatch, like Barron's, like the Wall Street Journal. And you probably won't be as panicked. Uh, I mean, because there's the, the economy is going through a tough time right now. No, nothing. There's no denying that. However, 
<laughs> not, I mean, I've been doing this for 40 years. The economy has been in worse shape than it is right now. And certainly I'm not worried about runs on the bank. Just make sure that just make sure that you, you know, you don't uh, uh, go past the limits of $250,000 of insured deposits in, in a bank that's a member of the FDIC. And you should be totally fine. The U.S. government can print currency. If you if you've got money in the if you've got money in a bank, you're going to get that money back. I would not worry about that at all. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. Okay, Mark. He says, why would my FICO score go down when there are no related issues apparent in Equifax, Experian, or TransUnion? What do you think? I mean, there's lots of stuff, right? Like, if you pay off your debt, oddly enough. So if you've if you've actually paid off your debt, your credit score could go down. If you don't have anything, um, you know, new going on, your credit score could go down. I mean, it's... It's actually very frustrating, right? Because your credit score is a measure of how well you handle debt, not how well you actually manage your money. Yes. Aren't these all different measuring systems? You mean you mean Equifax, Experian, TransUnion? Well, there's yeah. there's dozens of different FICO scores for one, but the but the standard FICO score should be the same. Um, <clears throat> but here's the here's the main thing that can change, and it, it depends. I charge a lot every month. I pay it off at the end of the month, but at any moment in time, I could have a balance of $15,000 on my credit card. Frankly, I could have a balance of $40,000 on my credit cards because I use them for my business. So um, if you pull my credit when I've got a $40,000 balance, it may, it, my score may be less than at the end of the month right. when I paid it off and I have a zero balance. So it depends on when the score is pulled. It depends on a myriad factors. If you do pay something off, uh, if you pay off something that had uh, that gave you a long credit history, there are different types of credit. Um, you could also your credit utilization rate, which is thirty percent of your credit score. Well, that, that's a component. That's thirty percent of your credit score anyway. Um, so if you've got a ten thousand dollar credit line and you're using one thousand dollars of it, you've got a ten percent utilization ratio. If if it if when they pull your score though, you've used eight thousand of that ten thousand, now you've got eighty percent of the, your available credit in use. So that's gonna look bad. So there are little teeny things. So minute by minute, literally, your credit score changes. So nice. it shouldn't go down a ton. Uh, and if it does, then it's time to start finding out why pulling your credit report at annualcreditreport.com and taking a good look at it. Mm-hmm. But it really, sh- I mean, it, it is going to fluctuate for sure yeah. all the time. So Mark is basically looking at this every day. But if Mark is using it to get a loan or something like that, he should probably uh, control his spending a little bit on the credit cards before while he's hunting for a loan. He should do that. And he should also be careful about when he's hunting for a loan, too, because applying right. for credit, uh, if you apply for mm-hmm. lots of credit, Applying for credit can also uh, lower your credit score. So you have to do it right. Uh, like you can do yeah. – Miranda, do you remember the rules? I can't think of them off the top of my head. But I think you can apply for – if you do it all within 30 days or something like that, it doesn't go against your score as it's, much it's, as you It's about two out. weeks. It's two about weeks two it weeks. Is. It's, so like, and it's got to be the same kind. So if you're doing – if you pull a bunch of like for car loans, all of those will be clustered together uh, as one. If you do it for mortgages, all of those will be clustered together as one. Uh, but they usually – but they usually – I think it's two weeks. But if you are applying for credit, definitely pull your credit report and definitely make sure that it's, everything is accurate and don't be doing things – don't close accounts. Just leave everything like it is. Uh, until you get that loan approved, uh, yeah. but but don't be really worried too much. I, I I've had a question recently where somebody's credit score was it was seven eighty and then it went to seven sixty and they were just pissed about it, you know. And, I, <laughs> and I'm like, they weren't even borrowing money. It was a retiree, right. you know. I, I I paid off my house twenty years ago. 
<laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, what are you worried about then? Who cares? <laughs> you know, I've got an 850 credit score. You know how much that means to me versus you with a 780? None. No difference. <laughs> I don't care. Okay, so anyway. Yeah, so um, I think we, you know, here's 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 one that's kind of interesting and a doozy. Uh, Carol says, love your articles, lots of good advice. Nice. Uh, says, I have a question. I'm over 65 and retired and own my home. I have no mortgage. I'm thinking of moving my disabled vet's, veteran son into the home, and then I would move into an apartment. Uh, since I live in Idaho and no one can afford Idaho anymore, I feel, I feel that, sister. I feel that. I'm currently trying to figure out my own housing situation. <laughs> so I feel it. Uh, but she says, since I live in Idaho and no one can afford Idaho anymore, I was thinking to charge him the rent he can afford and using that to help pay my rent. The problem with this scenario is I think the county will take away my homestead tax credit. In essence, I would not only be subsidizing my son's rent, but also increasing my taxes. It's just the two of us and the bulk of my nest egg is in the home. Do you have any thoughts about this or perhaps a better way to set it up? And yes, um, I did pull the Idaho tax code and, and look at that. And once you move out of your home and it's no longer your primary residence, you do in fact uh, lose that homestead tax credit. So that's something that you are going to have to keep uh, keep an eye on, especially since, um, not to wax political or anything, since our legis state legislature um, messed up our <laughs> messed up our homeowner exemption in 2016 and won't fix it. So um, here we are. So Miranda's for those of you who are not picking up on this, is it resident of Idaho <laughs> so, yeah. and, and a candidate for state legislature. So she she knows her stuff in this regard. Um, but but I don't know. I mean, Stacy, what what about you? Like, I mean, we've got some articles I'm on how to help your boomerang by kids. This question. Uh, so me, basically. Yeah. So basically what she's saying is she's got her son. He's a disabled veteran. So he's right. probably so he's probably we don't know for sure, but he's probably receiving his benefits. And so she's thinking like, well, if I move him into my house, then he'll have a place to live um, and then he can just pay me an affordable amount of rent. Well, why wouldn't she put him in the apartment and her stay in the house? Probably because the apartment is more expensive <laughs> Oh, okay. House. okay. Um, like, I mean, I'm just looking at stuff right now with my own situation and like weighing like, okay, do I try and buy this house from my, my landlord or do I just suck it up and get an apartment? Because uh, the cost of a three bedroom, two bathroom apartment in Idaho Falls where I live is the same as what I'm paying in rent right now for the 3,400 square foot house I'm living in with five bedrooms. Wow. <laughs> and so, so like, yeah, no. <laughs> so it's, it's gone crazy in the last couple years. And so I'm just like, oh, my gosh. It's a big gosh. house you live in. It is. It is a big house I live in. So <laughs> and may what, not be. So and by your... the end of next month, I may not be living there anymore. <laughs> oh, bummer. Well, we'll have to do a show just on you. Yeah, let, let's. <laughs> but what, in the meantime, I, 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 you know, obviously, I, it, I guess it's a foregone conclusion that Carol doesn't want her son living with her. You know, he wants to have his own place, I assume. So. Uh, I, yeah. I, what, so what's your solution then? She would lose her homestead exemption, even though it's her relative that's staying in her home. Yeah. So, yeah. So once you move out of it, is it's no longer primary residence is, is how I'm reading, how I'm reading the law. And we've got a link to, we've got a link to the actual, uh, law there, but I think, but I think one of the things you could consider doing is you did talk about like, you'd be basically subsidizing his rent. You don't have a mortgage. So if you want to maybe just help him cover the cost of his, 
Um, cause you know, you don't have to worry about, you, you know, you've got the, you've got the, the homestead credit, all of that kind of stuff. So maybe what you do is you figure out how much he can contribute and then you help him pay for the apartment and just kind of subsidize him that way. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of the way I would set it up. And that's actually what I'm doing with my own son as we're getting ready to figure out our new housing situation. Uh, he's going to college. And so I've told him, you know, I'm going to help you cover some of your, your home costs. And we sat down and we figured out, okay, how much can he contribute to his rent when he moves in with his friend, his share of the rent? And how can I help subsidize that by like helping pay for groceries or, or, you know, whatever. So Carol's son has a friend that can help him offset the cost of rent too. Well, also let's not forget that, um, she's trying to take all this on herself. Um, he is a disabled vet, so it's it's a possibility he could be eligible for a VA backed loan. Mm Mm-hmm. Which VAs get very good rates and and quite substantial loans. That's true. So or, or maybe some should, other type of assistance in rental. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she could probably have it run through him and get himself a place, and uh, and then just help him pay his home loan. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know. true. But but maybe his el- he is eligible for other sorts of assistance too. Right. So there there are a few things she could do. So he, he could try to find she could put him in an apartment, not lose her her um, homestead. Um, she could also. Uh, uh, and, then, and then offset his rent. He could get a roommate to help offset his rent. He could, he should should look to the to the VA to see if there's any programs that might help him pay the rent. Uh, and so that's a few things that I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we have time only. I think Miranda for one more question. I know we have more than that, but we've only got time for one more. Yeah, so we've got we've got two more. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's let's do this one more. And then uh, the other one will answer in our in our post about it. Uh, but we can uh, try to do it real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, let's let's just go quick. Well, this this next one, Lisa says, I'm worried my 91, 91 year old mother will pass away and will not know. And I won't know where all of her important papers work is. You once posted an article with a list of everything someone should have gathered in case of their death. Send me that list so my mother will know uh, what to find and organize for me so I will be prepared when the time comes and honestly like we have a great podcast episode about how to talk to your parents about their money with cameron huddleston and then we do have some links in our show notes show notes to our estate planning tips and tricks and also a checklist of estate planning documents you need right now yeah and you'll remember the story i told about my dad's death book (laughs) yes Um, and i think that's probably what she's referring to my dad had a a a three-ring binder uh with it with everything from where his insurance policies were his bank accounts uh, and even his uh, obituary he had written himself. So uh, that, that would be the ideal scenario. But, but you know, just to if you're just listening, Lisa, and don't feel like looking for links in our show notes and all this stuff, you can just go to moneytalksnews.com and then go to the upper right-hand corner where the little magnifying glass is and do a search for estate planning. And you'll come up with a ton of articles to tell you exactly what your mother needs uh, and, even, and even links to, to where you can get those documents as well. So to Lisa and to everybody else out there who can use that sort of advice, just do that. And it take you 10 minutes and just look it up yeah, and see, you know, you know, and you'll be able to put it together everything you need to. And you're going to feel a lot better about it when you do. Yeah. So and here's our final question from Anne. She says, I'm a 58 year old widow with forty five thousand dollars in credit card debt. I've never once made a late payment, but I need to do something. I'm paying about fifteen hundred dollars a month and it's taking a toll. Do you recommend debt consolidation or something else? So what? I know you've written articles on this before. Debt consolidation, right? <laughs> yeah. Tell me what yeah, you I've, think. You've done yeah, it. Yeah. So. 
yeah, I've done well, kind of. I've I've messed it up. And we have a great we have a great podcast episode about that. And then I also wrote an article about how I messed it up. You do want to be careful if you do a debt consolidation. It can be useful if you truly do have a debt consolidation. You do pay off all your loans and you don't get more into that debt. Um, the problem that I ran into is I didn't read the fine print and I actually ended up in a debt settlement program and it destroyed my credit. <laughs> um, and then, you know got me lawsuits. It was fun. So, um, so yeah, so definitely, uh, I would definitely take a step back and think about that, but there are also plenty of other things that you can do, uh, to pay down that debt. They've got the debt snowball method, make that plan. You can get, you can speak with a dirt certified debt counselor to help you put together a debt management plan that can help you tackle that debt. So there are a lot of, um, different things you can do. And we have some great resources on money talks news. Yeah, You can also that- look that up too. But, but the main thing is, I, I've been I've dealt with this a bunch. My my first book was called Life or Debt. Mm-hmm. I wrote that twenty years ago, uh, and I've been on the board of Consumer Credit Counseling Service uh, here in in South Florida. So I have a lot of experience in this arena. I've talked to a lot of people in your situation. A, do not mm-hmm. flounder, freak out, stare at the ceiling, and not sleep. Get this taken care of, and there are free resources out there to do it. There are also ripoffs out there. So here's what mm-hmm. I want you to do. The first call you're going to make, I want you to go to the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, NFCC. Put that in Google. You're going to get, and you put in your zip code, and it's going to tell you where you can go and talk to somebody for free and get unbiased advice. If you go into a debt management plan, there will be a little fee to set that up. Not a big deal. But what they'll do is they'll get between you and your creditors, uh, and so you'll send them a payment every month, the counseling service. They will distribute it among the people you owe money to. Okay, so this is going to take a big weight off your shoulders. I'm not saying this is the only solution. There is there are consolidation loans and there are and there is debt settlement, too. But just be aware that the National Foundation for Credit Counseling and also the Financial Counseling Association of America is another source of nonprofit credit counseling agencies that will not charge you a dime to talk to you. And so and they're above board. There are lots of people that aren't. So I want you to be very aware. If you do happen to be talking to a credit counselor or a debt settlement person or anyone else like that, and they come across sounding like a salesman, hang up. That's really important because there are people in this business who don't give a damn about you. So I want you to make sure the person you're talking to sounds like a counselor because they are a credit counselor and not a salesman. That's my advice. But it doesn't hurt to talk to somebody, even if they say you have the resources to pay off your debt yourself. Uh, great. It doesn't cost, it doesn't cost a dime for you to find that out. Yeah. So I'd encourage you to do that. Anything to add there, Miranda? Nope. Uh, nope. I think you've got it. <laughs> okay. In that case, the clock on the wall says we're running a little late. Not too bad, though. We'll go ahead and we'll close it out then. So, guys, we are out of time, but we are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots of info in our show notes. And remember... If your goal is to make more, to spend less, retire rich, or you've just got a question, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is mirandamarquit.com. That's Miranda, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, we would love to hear from you. You can do exactly what the folks we highlighted today did. You can tell us what your suggestion or comment is. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. You can also hit reply to any of our daily newsletters, like I said earlier. 
Uh, you can subscribe to that absolutely free at moneytalksnews.com. One last thing, if you appreciate what we do, then do a little something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.